0: what's up everybody once again it's another episode of the african-american sport pod class and today we have a very special episode with me and dr logan talking about my efforts to recruit a doctoral student. So some of you may have heard like our previous episodes with Dr. Daniel Thomas, who's one of our academic brothers, who has a job at Texas A&M, who's recruiting a doctoral student, a graduate research assistant. And so I'm fortunate enough to now be in the same or similar position. And so just like I interviewed Daniel, Dr. Logan is going to interview me about a position that I have open where I work at UT San Antonio. So uh, Dr. Logan, appreciate you stepping in today to help us out.
1: Of course always always here for a good cause man it's uh anytime you can get a doctoral student it's, it's a beautiful occasion and you create the next generation of researchers teachers professionals you know what I mean so happy to be here to do it but for those that are out there that don't understand the ins and outs of doctoral students what we need this is a good episode for you
0: I'm just gonna start off with your background yeah we. I don't I don't know if we've ever like really dove into this in the pod class before, but uh, undergrad, I went to North Carolina a and studied physical education, masters went the Ohio State, studied what's called physical education. So disability and sport, disability, physical activity, that type of stuff. And then at UT, where I met you, I studied physical education, teacher education in, in the program of curriculum and yeah. instruction. So that's sort of my academic background from a research standpoint. I have an interest in teacher education at minority-serving institutions, in particular historically Black colleges and universities. Dr. Logan, me and you have written some papers about race, education, and sport. Mm -hmm. That's the research interest of mine. And I'm also interested in, you know, the preparation of minority male teachers. And I haven't written on that extensively, but it's one of the roles that I have now where I work, where we're trying to recruit and develop and, and retain some men in the teaching field. And so if someone has a research interest in that, that they like to study, I'd love to bring somebody on who could who, who could do some of that work as well. So one thing I would say that that you noticed, we were both beneficiaries of having mentors that didn't make us do work that we didn't want to do. And so yeah. although I'm recruiting a graduate research assistant that's gonna help me with my work. That doesn't mean that they have to be a clone of me. So if you have something that you're interested in that's not exactly what I do. You know, I still give doctoral students the freedom that they want to do the research that they want to do as well. So.
1: So when you mentioned teaching a little bit earlier, are you talking teaching K through 12? Are you talking higher education? Or are you talking early childhood? What are you talking about? So in terms of the research or my experience? In terms of the research and the doctoral students you'd like to bring.
0: in, Yeah. So that, that's, that's interesting. So most of my research on teaching looks at teacher preparation. So I'm looking at the programs that students go through in their undergraduate teacher prep program. So what what it looks like to prepare them to be teachers. Yeah. That being said, like if somebody has an interest on looking at what happens in schools K through 12, you know, I wouldn't stop someone from looking at what happens in a K through 12 classroom either. But just a point to note that those studies can be a little bit more difficult because there's more barriers to entry to get into like doing research on kids because, you know, kids are a protected class of people. And so in the, the politics and bureaucracy of school districts kind of make it more difficult to get in there to do some of that research. So.
1: OK. OK. What as a graduate student of yours, because you describe these would be the the responsibilities you, you would have. How would it go? What would you say would be there? schedule or what, what would they experience as a graduate student with you?
0: Yeah, I think it's either 19 or 20 hours a week that the graduate research assistantship is required for the student to do work with me. And a lot of it's like mentoring work on, on research and things like that that I'm working on. Of course, there's also the classroom requirement. So you'd be a full-time student taking roughly two to three classes a year for three years. And the way things are set up at UTSA is, is that you go all year round. So it's fall, summer, spring, it's like every time that there's classes offered, you should be like taking class. And that's beneficial because I only have funding for three years. And so the hope is, is that someone could come in and, you know, get to work, get in and get out as soon as possible and be on their way to working back in like K through 12 as like an administrator possibly, but even being a university professor and things like that, which is is what we're going for. So in terms of you know, the work that they would do. Essentially, whatever projects that I'm working on at the time, the student would be helping me collect data, write articles. And so being a graduate research assistant isn't just about that student working for me. They are also learning the process of becoming a scholar and a faculty member. And so if I do research and they're my assistant, their name is going to go on the publication, which makes you more marketable in the field, when you go out to get your job working at a university, what have you. So that's the commitment in terms of like the typical general commitment. There are other things that come with this as well. So because it's a graduate research assistantship, basically your school is paid for. If you're an out-of-state student, meaning you don't live in Texas, there's a waiver for, for your out-of-state cost of your tuition, in addition to your tuition pretty much being covered if you are an in-state student. So you're also going to get a stipend of about um, Just under twenty five thousand dollars a year. And along with that also comes health insurance, which is a, a pretty good package considering the value of how much, you know, your doctorate would cost you in the three years to to complete everything. That being said, the expectation is that the person who is working in his graduate research assistantship is a full time student. So it would be very difficult for someone to come in and it's like, oh, I want to still be teaching in schools. That's not going to work. You'd have to be willing to take the pay cut if you're in a situation where you're taking a pay cut to come and really do a deep dive and study and become a scholar and have everything paid for. So
1: OK. And there, particularly with, with San Antonio, can you tell us a bit about San Antonio or why it would be a good spot to be a graduate student or your experience there, particularly for middle native folks?
0: Yeah. So. So San Antonio is a is a brown city. So the majority of people who live here are folks of color. Although there's a um, a smaller, much smaller black population here. I've done a, a really good job of building community and things like that. And so if someone was coming from out of state and they were African American or black and really wanted to find some community, I, I I would have no problem connecting you with folks and things like that and making connections for you. So I don't think it would be as hard a transition for, you know someone who's interested who's Black, it wouldn't be as hard a transition to come here as, let's say, somewhere in the Midwest, you know, where it's like really pale. You you know what I'm saying? Like it would be the shock of coming here would be totally different than like going to Iowa or something like that. The other part is, although inflation is like a real issue everywhere, for San Antonio to be the seventh largest city in the country, it's relatively inexpensive to live here. So if you were to compare... San Antonio to Dallas to Houston or Austin, it's much less expensive to live here than it is to live in some of those other large major cities. And so there's some advantage there. I would also say, I think that there's an advantage that the way that our program is structured is that you go all year round because we weren't, we weren't in that situation. Our funding for summer was not, was covered. And so what that means is if, if you don't have funding for the summer, that means you aren't getting classes paid for, but you aren't getting your stipend either, right? And so we had scratch and scrounge and look for opportunities to make some more money so mm-hmm. that we could pay bills for our apartments and whatnot in the summertime. Yeah. That that won't be as much as an issue here. So I think San Antonio is a good place for you to study, given the fact that you won't be making a lot of money economically. It may, more, may make more sense to be here than some of the other larger cities. So. Okay, I'm about to ask you a
1: hard question just about you as as an advisor, because I'm assuming if somebody comes in as a GRA for you, you would like to be
0: your advisor Um, going through the process of PRC, correct? Yeah, so that would be ideal. And that's the culture we grew up in. Right. Alvin, like your advisor was your mentor all the way through, although it was kind of a shared mentoring, mentoring environment. So ideally, I think it's best for you to come in. If you're my GRA, it's probably best that you that you be my advisee, for sure.
1: So as a potential advisee, who are you as an advisor? Like, how do do you support growth of a scholar? How do you plan to,
0: I don't know, just help increase their profile if they do want to go to NT Academy? What are some of the things that you you would do as an advisor? So I think one of the things that you and I have benefited from was being this network Mm -hmm. of, of Black men and also some Black women, too, And it's the folks who are Black who are dispersed throughout the country at different universities, right? And so I view mentorship as a collaborative effort. And so Daniel, who was on the show, Dr. Marcus Johnson, who hasn't been on the show yet, but at some point he will be, we collaborate. We talk at least once a week about research projects and opportunities to publish. And so I think it'd be good to bring the GRA into some of those projects so that they can learn from Daniel, Dr. Thomas, and Dr. Johnson and get on some publications. Because what you might find, I mean, is that although like I'm the mentor and they're my research assistant, you know, they may wind up having a better research relationship with Dr. Johnson than they do with me. And I'm okay with them. They say, hey, Dr. Johnson got this this product he want to work with me on. And then they go do that thing because maybe whomever is coming, their background in education is closer to one of theirs or somebody else's, right? And that, that's the same for if you come in and you find somebody at UTSA whose research interest is more aligned than yours, although I would be your advisor and the person overseeing you as the graduate research assistantship, that doesn't mean that you can't lean on the mentorship and opportunities that other people provide. One of the things that I'm really good at is telling people where opportunities are opportunities to publish, opportunities to go to conferences, opportunities to participate in graduate committees within different professional organizations to raise your profile so that it's easier for you to get a job. And I think I know that the name that I've made for myself among our community of scholars lends itself to them wanting to help out the people that we want to help out. Right. And so Yep. My, my, I haven't tarnished my reputation or done people wrong or anything like that. So I think that makes other folks more willing to support whomever it is that I'd be mentoring and try to provide opportunities for. So we're, we're looking at a graduate student coming in,
1: potentially having a, a really great network of folks to work with in terms of research, in terms of wants and desires professionally, but also somebody who's pretty, not, pretty knowledgeable, excuse me, in the field and can introduce you to the right people. Um given you need something or you want to go through with your research or you want to, you know, work someplace after, um, I think it's it's good to note that that kind of familial lineage amongst researchers and and folks that have graduated is is still being continued. Um, and that's the hope that it it will be continue to be paid forward.
0: Yeah. And so one other thing though, I, I have to mention is that although, um, Although, like, I know I'm a good mentor. There's people in our network that I've mentored and whatnot. This graduate student is going to have to be able to get things done on their own. Absolutely. And so, like, this isn't a situation where, you know, you're where you're going to get your hand held through everything. Like, part of being a doctoral student is that you're a self-starter, that you do the research, you do the writing. This isn't like undergrad or master's degree where you're going to be able to hide behind, like, the conversation that other people are having in class about whatever it is that you read. If you don't do the work, you will be exposed. You will be exposed. Right. And so um, you have to be a self-starter. You have to be someone who is um, thirsty for knowledge and um, ambitious in a healthy way. And so one thing I want to add is that, you know, this, this may be wrong, but this is my philosophy is that I think the people who, do the best in their doctoral programs are the ones who have like a genuine thirst for knowledge mm-hmm. and wanting to grow intellectually as opposed to the ones who come in motivated by some baggage they have where somebody said they weren't good enough or they got something to prove to somebody else because that doesn't lend itself to you enjoying the process mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times those people find themselves although they could be like really they could be great scholars Um, they're not always happy people. And I think that there's a way to do this, um, from like a a real healthy place, a real curious place, a real desire to want to grow and develop and learn more, um, as opposed to having a chip on the shoulder to get through. Now, that being said, if you got a chip on your shoulder and you're highly motivated, you want to get it done, come on, like, I'll still take you. I just my challenge to folks is, is that you can have joy and still pursue your doctorate degree and yeah. not be about what other people are going to think about you afterwards or what other people have said to you in the past. But just like a real process for your own growth and development and becoming a scholar and um, an intellectual. Absolutely. Well, Last thing before we uh, drop off here. How does one get in contact with you? So yeah, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, My name is Langston Clark. There aren't too many of us. You should be able to find me on the one that lives in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, You could also hit me up on my work email at langston.clark at utsa.edu. And I would add that we are recording this in mid-December. And so Mm -hmm. the deadlines apply for doctoral programs at UTSA is I believe either February 1st or February 15th. Um, So we have some time, but not much time if someone is interested in um applying and uh you know working with me and getting their doctorate.
1: Good stuff. Dr. Clark, always a pleasure. Dr. Um, Logan, a really great graduate student. And uh until next time, brother. All right, bro. Peace.